0: Paul Dorfman, Senior Researcher at University College Energy Institute, founder of the Nuclear Consulting Group.
1: Paul, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Centre for Business Research podcast series today. We're here at the Hinkley Point C Revisited Further Developments in the Nuclear Power Contract Workshop. Tell me where you stand on this EDF energy deal. With China and the UK government?
0: It does seem to be a problematic deal. The deal is for an extraordinarily long time, a thirty five year generation, a thirty five year period, at twice, more than twice the price we currently pay for electricity, prices linked in, which means that the price will ramp. And we at the institute estimate that this will cost the hard working UK taxpayer and energy consumer between one and two billion pounds a year to go into the deep pockets of the French and Chinese corporations over that. 35 year period.
1: We've looked today in the morning session at the contract itself. So, if we go piece by piece through the workshop, does the contract itself concern you?
0: The contract is of some concern. What it seems to do is preference nuclear over any other form of generation. The longest period for any other contract, for example, for a renewable contract, the longest would be about 15 years. So nuclear at 35 years, the length of contract is is more than double that, which is an enormous period of time. There are other concerns about the contract. The main one is this. In the context of what we know about global warming, and therefore our response, in other words, we need to to create a low-carbon economy. The one good news that we have is that the renewable evolution, largely led by Germany, the strongest industrial nation in in Europe, is coming along apace, with uh, the price of solar falling by 50% in the last five years alone the price of onshore wind coming down, and inevitably the price of offshore wind, and taking into consideration all of the other issues about grid upgrade, demand-side management, energy management, energy conservation, and the rest of it, we can see a change in the way that we will do energy. Now, the problem with this contract is that it will lock us into an element of a nuclear future for a very long period, and at a time that we don't have much money, nuclear will be eating all the pies.
1: The justification for it, and we should just say the contract was only signed with EDF Energy China and the UK government in September 2016. Theresa May, the new prime minister, reviewed it. It has been highly looked over, looked at and scrutinised. It will create jobs, high skill jobs for people within the nuclear energy sector. Do you think you're being too gloomy?
0: Not really. I mean, the UK jobs are largely muck-shifting. All of the complex work and the complex contracts will go elsewhere, will go abroad, and all of the major components will be manufactured abroad. In terms of Hinckley itself, if you look at any of the commentators, either in the media, the journals, the press, the Guardian, the Independent, the Spectator, the Times, the Financial Times, and any energy professor worth their salt, have almost to a person universally condemned the signing of this contract.
1: But there were political imperatives, including the fact that 30 years down the line, we might go dark, there might not be enough energy in the UK, and it is low-carbon energy.
0: There is a question as to whether nuclear is low-carbon, especially taking into consideration the problems about waste and the rest of it. There really are questions whether nuclear is actually that low-carbon. I can give you names of studies that suggest that it may not be. But if we are going to go low-carbon, which we need to do, the problem is this. If we spend all our money on nuclear and this deal and other nuclear deals will cost us on a leg, then we very may well not have enough money to do the things that we really do need to do. The new energy evolution and energy management, energy conservation. And to point this out, we have a a thing called the levy control framework, which is largely all of the UK government has to spend on our low carbon future. Now, if the UK government does go for a a promulgated large nuclear renaissance, unfortunately by the early 2020s, the majority of the level control framework will be eaten up by nuclear. Nuclear will eat up all of the pies. So it's not a question of nuclear and, as a lot of nuclear proponents say, it's nuclear and nuclear.
1: We've heard at the workshop that technology is changing fast, faster than we'd ever thought possible. For instance, China, who manufactured solar panels, and suddenly within a year the price of the solar panels falling. Do you have concerns about whether or not we're considered renewables seriously enough as an energy supplier to the United Kingdom.
0: Well, it's clear that we haven't. You're seeing all new energy needs an element of subsidy to, to survive, to get going. The problem with nuclear, it's an old technology, so one wonders why it still has to be subsidised. But we're seeing subsidies, we're seeing all of our money to, to renewables being slashed and burned, which means that we're very seriously not taking consideration of these very key elements of our energy infrastructure. Unlike Germany, the strongest state in Europe, where its nuclear-free energy vendor is going on full ahead.
1: Do you have security concerns? I know you did, you voiced them at the workshop, but the risks, do the risks outweigh the advantages?
0: Well, the two companies involved in bankrolling Hinkley and then eventually going on to supposedly build their own reactor in Bradwell. One is a quasi-military Chinese company. The other is a, a full-on military Chinese state entity, which is unclassified. UK Congress documents tell us have been supplying a nuclear ballistic and nuclear technology to countries such as Pakistan, Iran, and in the past to North Korea.
1: Just clarify which company that is.
0: CGN is the quasi-military company and it's CNNC is the full-on state military nuclear organization that will uh, literally be bankrolling a part of investment into Hinkley. So we will be inviting into bed the Japanese military. And it needs to be said that no other OECD country, and certainly not America, would allow China into its critical nuclear energy infrastructure or any other form of critical energy infrastructure, for that matter, or telecom infrastructure.
1: I repeat, the UK needs low carbon energy, whether you accept nuclear is low carbon energy or not. But that's the premise on which 10 years ago, people started talking about this alliance, this particular contract, and whether or not we should build more nuclear reactors. The UK didn't have enough money to fund it itself. It went to a French company. It went to a, a Chinese company. It has a highly scrutinized contract difference, that's been signed, that's been looked over, it's been looked over by the, the Treasury, people representing the government. Surely the regulations provide the safeguards we need for the British taxpayer in terms of the eventual strike price and in terms of our own national security. There are regulations, there are safeguards.
0: Yes, uh, there are, of course, regulations and safeguards, as there should be. And the strike price has been agreed and signed. It's £92.5 a megawatt hour. This is, you know, signed a few years ago. The problem with this, of course, is that price, which is twice the price we currently pay for electricity, is index linked. So that price will ramp and ramp and ramp. The, the issue going back to, to the length of the contract period, it's unheard of. A 35-year contract period under any situation is, is an inordinately long period, and a lot can happen during that time. The point about it is this. To build nuclear, you need a huge amount of subsidy. Now, how you organise that subsidy is more or less up to you. Now, in terms of the UK, the UK has offered vast loan guarantees and vast assurances that will cost the UK taxpayer and the UK energy consumer very, very dear. And there are cheaper, faster, better, more environmentally aware, more practical ways of providing the energy that we need in order to power our society.
1: What would you do going forward? We can't get out of the contract now. It's only signed two months ago. And as I said, again, the British Prime Minister, the new Prime Minister, Theresa May, looked over it herself and is known to be very diligent. What is the way forward if, as you are, you're a sceptic about Britain's needs for nuclear energy in the future?
0: We may or may not have to accept that this is a a fait accompli, that Hinkley is a fait accompli. However, there are other nuclear reactors on the cards for the UK which may need to be looked at again in terms of both their viability and their practicality.
1: Sizewell and Bradwell?
0: There's Sizewell, Bradwell, Wilver, Moorside. So the question is... Why are we alone in Europe going for a nuclear renaissance when everyone else is getting out of it? What makes us so special? What do we know that the strongest economic, scientific, technological power in Europe doesn't? And the answer to that is not a lot.
1: We've heard from the contract lawyers here in Cambridge that if we did have security concerns about China or indeed about France, we could just nullify the contract, pay them compensation and get on with it ourselves aren't you being alarmist
0: well not really it's it's the question of the money if you invest all of your eggs into the nuclear basket you will have nothing left over to do the things that you really do need to do now the reality is that the renewable evolution is here it really is so why invest in what is essentially 20th century technology and largely a failed technology which also may have very clear concerns. I mean, for, take global warming, for example, the UK Institute of Mechanical Engineers has stated all nuclear power stations in, in the UK, for example, size well, will in the future be subject to storm surge, flooding, tidal ingress and eventual nuclear islanding. If there's one thing that we know about global warming it may well happen quicker than we expect. So at a time that we will have limited resources we may very well have to scoop up not only these reactors but their associated high and intermediate level waste stores in order to keep them safe.
1: Yes because over 50 years we still haven't solved the problem of what to do with nuclear waste. As you said there are is waste stored beside these power stations including Sizewell.
0: Yeah, sure. All of the very very hot spent fuel is stored by each reactor and a, a vast inventory of intermediate level waste which is also a very hot waste is stored our nuclear power stations. And of course you must remember that these new so-called Generation 3 reactors, such as Hinkley Point, are so-called fast burn, high burn-up reactors. What that means is the uranium goes in, it gets burnt at a hotter temperature, it stays in for longer, and the waste comes out hotter. So there are real concerns about nuclear waste that have not yet been resolved. There is still no proven way of disposing of either intermediate or high-level waste. And so the notion of, of sort of digging a very deep hole and burying it is far from complete.
1: And just finally, we could solve the UK's energy needs by renewables alone.
0: There's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, At a time of global warming, when everybody's worried about low carbon, all energy futures will be difficult and they will be expensive. The question is, we need to make our choices and we need to make our choices now. Largely, and I think it's true to say, the majority of energy professors in the UK will say that if there is a way to go, that is what we need to do. We need to think clearly about renewable energy, we need to think about grid upgrade, we need to think about distributed energy, we need to think about energy management and energy conservation, and we have to change the way we think about energy. But this is a message of hope. Imagine if, in 20, 30 years' time, our children were able to travel, to heat and light their homes and understand that all of this energy was created in a benevolent way that had no significant impact on the environment. This would change the nature of our relationship with ourselves and the world and within ourselves as well too. Germany's done it. Germany is doing it in terms of the German energy vendor. But as I say, there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's the argument that Germany is burning a lot more coal because they're getting out of nuclear. If you look at the facts, this is actually not true. Germany's coal burn is going down and will continue to go down, and they will hit all of their carbon targets. However, energy futures will be difficult. We will have to pay for it, but we need to make a decision. Are we going to decide to go for an old, dirty, unsafe technology with potential possibilities of catastrophe, or will we look to a future that will enhance our life and our lifestyle? and, by the way, create a large amounts of jobs. Paul
1: Dorfman, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Centre for Business Research podcast series today here at our Hinkley Point C Revisited Policy Workshop. I've enjoyed it.
0: Thank you very much.